Are you wandering in the wilderness? Or are you a voice in the wilderness? Welcome to the Revival Cry podcast. This is your host, Eric Miller. Isaiah 40 verse 3 says, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. The goal of this podcast is to encourage you to use the voice God has given you to make Jesus famous. Every week, we will share principles from the Word of God, interviews, and encouragement in order to strengthen your voice. Thank you for joining me today, and now here is today's podcast. I want to talk to you this morning about the river needs a trench. The river needs a trench. When we talk about the river of God, we're talking about the glory of God. In Habakkuk 2, verse 14, I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. When we think of water in terms of the glory of God, we look at how bad things are in the world today, and we know that Jesus told us that things would look like this. But he also said that he's coming back for a bride that's made herself ready. And I believe there's a revival. I believe there's an awakening that's coming as in the days of Pentecost, unlike anything the world has ever seen. I believe we're going to see the Spirit of God moving across the nations in ways that Jesus will get the last word. Amen? You know, no, how, no matter how powerful the current of a river is, without a trench being dug, the river has no place to go. You know, the only time a river doesn't need a place to go is when it becomes fl- a flood stage. And when flood waters rise, we like to think of that as revival. And throughout history, revival comes and revival goes. And revival, corporate revival, may not always be somewhere, like the Brownsville revival lasted for about five years. But corporate revival is always, the purpose of it is to stir personal revival. And so I have never stopped walking in personal revival since God changed my heart so many years ago. And our goal is to teach the church how to pray, hear the voice of God, know the word of God, go to the nations and lay our lives down as servants so that we can prepare the way as forerunners for the glory of God to come. We need to dig some trenches before the second coming of Jesus. Amen. I believe God wants to send floodwaters of revival, yet he chooses not to do everything for us. He's actually given his church a shovel and is saying to us to dig. You see, since COVID, a lot of churches were, were not praying churches. A lot of churches were not going out and making it disciples. It was okay for people to come to church, but when we realized for a period of time that we couldn't come to church, it disoriented the church around the world. And it caused people to say, what side of the line am I choosing to be on? Am I going to try to live over the line? And, you know, we call that standing over the fence, right? And living a double life. Or am I going to be where there's one temperature for a Christian that's white hot on fire for Jesus? 
And am I going to give myself over? Because if we see what's happening in Israel and we see what's happening around the world today here in America, it should cause us to draw near to God in a place of prayer and crying out and believing God for an outpouring because you and I cannot change what's happening in the world today. But He can. And if we will be a people of prayer, if we will become a house of prayer, I believe the Lord will use our digging to prepare the way for His glory to come to Dagsboro, Delaware, throughout Sussex County, Delaware, and across America. I don't believe God is done with America. I do not believe it. Should America fall, Israel falls. And God, Israel's the apple of His eye. All people are. But if we understand the scripture properly, we understand that we, the church doesn't replace Israel, but we're grafted in as Gentiles, unless you're a Jewish believer in Messiah Jesus. The river is the glory of God. You know, in Jerusalem is where God first poured out his spirit. And if we look in scripture, we see that Paul went from Jerusalem, well the church went from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then he ended up, Paul ended up in Rome. And the, and the discipleship, the great commission spread to the west. It really did not go to the east. And as it went to the west, it went to Europe. And from Europe, it went to the Americas, right? Where we had John Wesley and Charles Finney and all these great men and women of God that we read about and so many others I'm skipping over. And then it went from North and South America and eventually to Asia. And in between, you know, maybe Japan, China, and Jerusalem, Israel is called the 1040 window. This is the most unreached people groups in the world. North Africa, the southern part of Europe, and the Middle East, and, and, and China, and, and all the way uh, part Thailand, and different countries like that. These are the most unreached people groups. This is where it's, it's so hard. There's, there's Hinduism, there's, there's Buddhism, you know, there's, there's Islam, there's atheism. There's all kinds of things that are resisting the gospel. Because Jesus said that this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all the nations and then the end will come. And so we don't know the day that Jesus is going to come back, but we can look at the seasons. And in the seasons, he tells us in Matthew 24 that there be wars and rumors of wars and famine and pestilence and all kinds of things like that. And, and there be persecution, there be hardship. We should expect those things to come. But we, what we should also expect is that the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord will be upon us. And the same Spirit that was on Jesus and the disciples and the early church is upon his bride today. That's why we believe for healing. That's why we believe for deliverance. We were just in Italy in July and hundreds of people were being ministered to. And as we were preaching, we saw multiple of people manifesting demons, falling on the ground, throwing up, just being absolutely set free. I've never seen so many people be set free from demons in my life in one location. And I like it a lot. 
You know, since the time of the disciples, a lot of trenches have been dug around the world. The deeper the trench we dig, the more of God's glory will manifest among us. We already know God is here, but the manifestation of the power of God working is us releasing what we believe we receive when we were born again, that Christ in us, the hope of glory, is revealed in the community. And, and I've seen it done here, you know, through uh, the Thanksgiving thousands and all these other things that this church has been a part of and probably so many things that I don't know that's even going on right now. But I know this, is that our identity as a church should really be found in intimacy and prayer with God. You know, we read the scripture that says, you will be able to do the things that Jesus did and greater. And what we... When we read that, what we're saying is we're talking about miracles, we're talking about healing, we're talking about signs and wonders. And I absolutely believe that. Amen? But do you know what Jesus has been doing the last 2,000 years? He has been sitting at the right hand of the Father living to make intercession for us. If we're going to do the things that Jesus did and even greater, what about the place of prayer? What about the place of intimacy with God? What about the place of getting the burden of the Lord for our community and for the state and for the nation and for, what, and for Israel? I want to tell you, they need our prayers right now. And I believe the church, especially the Gentile church, is going to prepare the way for Israel to see that Jesus really is the Messiah. And right now in history, we have the greatest amount of Jewish believers in Jesus than we've ever seen since the days of the apostles. There are more Jewish people being born again and, and recognizing that Jesus is the Messiah than ever before. And, you know, it's, it's hard because throughout history, the church has largely persecuted the Jewish people. Unfortunately, if you need more information on that, I recommend you read one of our spiritual father's books, Dr. Michael Brown, Our Hands Are Stained With Blood. And it helps us to understand how Jewish people look at the church today. But if the church doesn't rise up and pray for Israel, nobody else is going to do that. There's nobody else. They are the most persecuted people group in the history of the world. And I know that there's a lot of persecution that's taken place throughout history. But the fact of the matter is, we're not here about talking about who suffered more or who suffered less. What we're talking about is understanding the scripture so that we can pray and be a people that prepare the way for the second coming of Jesus. I want to see the Lord come. If our evangelism is not to the Jew first and then to the Gentile, we're not obeying scripture. If we're not praying the way that Jesus prayed, we have to understand that this is a season of revival upon us right now. This is a season where God is pouring out his spirit, not only in America, but around the world, my friend. We're seeing homosexuals come to Jesus. We're seeing people living on the streets being set free from bondage. And I want to tell you something. There is a fire that is burning on the inside of me that's not carried over from the Browns of Revival, but what I experience in the presence of the Lord on a daily basis. What my experience has been is that water often gathers below sea level, right? On land. And it, and it really floods in those places. And when I was thinking about that, I was thinking about the poor. 
I was thinking about the weak. I was thinking about the humble. I was thinking about people who lay themselves low. That's where the Lord lands his revival plane. That's where the Lord pours out his spirit. It's not on the people who say we don't need God or they know everything, right? Or I have all this experience and knowledge and stuff. Really? You know, here we're fighting an enemy who's been doing this for thousands of years. And if we think that we're going to outsmart him, we're foolish. But if we understand that greater is he who's in us than he that's in the world. He's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And he lives on the inside of you and me. Then when we pray, we should see the, our neighbors and the nation shaking around us. Amen. Listen, very interesting fact. When the temple was built in Jerusalem, it did not face the city of Jerusalem. It was built to face the east. During Jesus' time, houses, stores, markets, they were all in the, uh, they were all located either in the west or the southern part of where the temple was located. Anybody ever been to Israel? Yeah? No? What are we doing? We gotta go, man. We gotta, we gotta charter a plane and go. Roger, you wanna, Roger said he's gonna pay for everybody's trip. Praise God. Awesome. <laughs> We've known Roger and Cleese a long time. But it's so interesting that it was all built and it faced away from the city. You would think that when the temple was built and God, you read the scripture in Exodus about the, uh, the tabernacle, right? And Solomon's temple later on, on the detail of what God said on how to build the temple and what it should look like. You would think it would face the people so that they could go to the temple, but it did not. It faced the east away. And so in Ezekiel's, uh, Ezekiel chapters 8 through 11, it foretells the departure of the glory of God from the temple, detailing how it would leave the temple and head east to the Mount of Olives and then ascend to heaven. Doesn't that sound familiar? After Jesus' resurrection, he also ascended from the very same site on the Mount of Olives. He ascended to heaven. In Ezekiel 43 through 44, it portrays God's glory returning the same way that it left. From the Mount of Olives to enter Jerusalem and the temple from the east. This prophecy speaks of Jesus' second coming. As we know from other scripture that he will one day return to the Mount of Olives. He will plant his feet and enter Jerusalem again. And you know, very interesting, when Casey and I went to Israel in 2016, we, we, it's very difficult sometimes to go to the Temple Mount where the Dome of the Rock is, right? You see those pictures of Jerusalem, the Golden Dome of uh, the big... Uh, Muslim, you know, building there at mosque. And we were able to go to the Temple Mount. And actually, when we were up there, it's allowed to be controlled by the Muslims, but Israel is the military that is up there keeping peace because that's one of the most volatile pieces of property, if not the most, in the world. <laughs> and as we were up there, you know, I have Muslims handing me tracts to become a Muslim which I love when people try to um, 
evangelize me because it, to me, that's free evangelism. Like when, when uh, Jehovah's Witness come and knock on my door, I'm like, oh, it's just you? Can you go get some more folks? Bring them over. I'll have snacks and everything. And we all sit down and we just start talking. And yeah, they don't last very long, but you know, they... <laughs> But some of them, you know, they hear the gospel, amen? And so we're up there, and we walk over to that gate that's facing the Mount of Olives. And this gate is filled in with cement because Muslims believed, uh, I think it was during the Ottoman Empire, they filled that in, that they don't want the Jewish Messiah to come through that gate because they know the word of God, interestingly. And they also know Jewish people are not supposed to be in the presence of dead bodies. So if you're in front of the gate, that eastern gate, do you know who's all buried right in front of there? It's all Muslims. Because they think the Jewish Messiah, right? Jesus was Jewish, right? That he will not walk through that place. But I want to tell you something. (laughs) That gate is not the original gate. In fact, our tour guide told us that gate, the original one, is below ground. And that's the gate that was prophesied that Jesus will walk through. So I don't think Jesus needs a hammer, a chisel. I don't think he needs any equipment. I think he's going to plant his feet on the Mount of Olives one day. And boom, there's going to be an explosion. And he's going to walk in and stand in the Temple Mount. And people will know exactly who he is. There's not going to be any doubt, my friend. Amen. So why am I talking about the direction the temple faces? Well, as we read in Ezekiel, we read that there was a river that flowed out of the temple. And if you read in Ezekiel 47, right, the, 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 Ezekiel talks about the water coming to the feet, the, you know, higher and higher and higher. But the, the purpose of that scripture says that uh, it will go down and enter the sea. And what is the sea? The Dead Sea. And I believe that sea is what a picture, a shadow of things to come that would flood and spread the glory of God, right? The river is the glory around the world and went to the west and one day is coming back around. You see, we call that the westward movement of the gospel. And when I first moved to the Philippines in 2003, I was praying, I was interceding, I was asking God to pour out his spirit of revival and awakening in that nation. And it's, I struggled a little bit because I thought, Lord, why would you call us here? There's, there's actually a lot of churches, there's missionaries and, and things like that. And there's still a lot of people who need the Lord and a lot of religion, all those things. 80% of people are Catholic on our island. Uh, a, a lot of people are Muslim. They practice Sharia law on the western part of our island. There's been wars, there's been terrorism, there's been kidnappings and all that fun stuff. But here's the deal. The river of God is flowing in our lives. And the Lord brought us from the East Coast, as he has done others, 8,000 miles to the Philippines, not so that we could become big and famous missionaries, but so that we can lay our lives down and, and get on our knees and wash the feet of those beautiful Filipino people and go to the garbage dumps and go to the tribal regions and go to places that some people will never go. 
and share the gospel because when we do that, the river is flowing. And we're carrying on the message, Casey, that Paul the Apostle preached. We're carrying the message that thousands of Christians have laid down their, their lives for. We're carrying the message that, that John Wycliffe and, and other great men and women of God took the gospel under their arm and says, I am moving and taking the gospel wherever you lead us, Lord. And they have dug a trench so that the glory of God would come to those places. Hudson Taylor went to Africa. And in Africa, there were little to no believers. And most of, most of his life, he saw little to no believers. And he said one day, looking at the plains in Africa, Lord, that those who come after us would never forget us who came as pioneers. And interestingly enough, there was a great man named Reinhard Bunke who quoted that quote as he stood in front of a million people in Nigeria one day and preached the gospel. Amen? Well, friend, I'm telling you, we are living in spectacular times. And now is the time, is not the time to live cold and indifferent. There's either hot or cold. Amen? We're either on fire. There's no other temperature. There's no hoping that, oh, maybe I'll get things right later. Look, I don't know when Jesus is coming, if he's coming pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. I have no idea. I have a certain opinion about that. But my opinion doesn't mean anything if I'm not ready. I got to live in a state of readiness. I got to live on fire. I got to live with a burning heart for the Lord. I got to love and honor my wife and my children. I got to live as a man of integrity and character. And listen, I want to tell you, I'm tired right now. We come to the States. I come to the States every October for three weeks. And we've just been going. And uh, it's been very busy, probably the busiest trip we've ever had. In fact, yesterday we flew from South Alabama and... Uh, came up to, where did we go to? Atlanta and then to Philly. And then from Philadelphia, drove last night, got in and got to bed about 1 a.m. last night. But I woke up this morning and the Lord said, it's been 30 years. And you know, God has a way of giving you a bit of energy. <laughs> because he said, it's not by my, it's not by power, it's by my spirit. And when we walk in the spirit of the Lord, I'm telling you, there is strength, there's empowerment, there's revelation, there's wisdom, there's knowledge, there's gifts, there's things that we need when we get to the place of when we actually need it. Amen. Let me finish this up. You know, recently I said this in the video that we started a house of prayer, and you may have saw the name Bayanihan, and you might not know what that is. That is a Filipino word for something that Filipinos would do in villages where uh, they would build, you know, someone's bamboo house. If they wanted to move to another location, all the men in the community actually pick up the house and transfer it. And this is the word the Lord gave us of what our house of prayer should look like. And we call it the Bayanihan house of prayer. Because I don't believe prayer should just be in one location. I believe prayer should spread wherever we go. So what we're doing is the last, uh, less than one week before the war took place in Israel, our church had our first overnight prayer meeting. And we were praying for Israel. Amazing how God speaks to you. And then when the other Fridays of the month, what we're doing is we have 
almost, I think, 15 other houses of prayer throughout our city that pray and come in agreement. And we give them all kinds of things to pray for, and then they're just led of the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you, they just had the, the all-night prayer meeting on the 20th. Uh, they, they couldn't have it at the end of this month for different reasons. But I'm looking at these guys on video. I'm looking at all these young people crying out to God. See, we, we don't... We don't we play games with the young people, okay? But I've learned something. I wish I didn't play so many games. What I wish is I would have taught people how to be men and women of prayer when they were younger. Thank God I, I look at people like Casey and I look at Christy and I look at different ones, you know, Amy and Curtis and, and different people that are going after God and, and pursuing the Lord on their own. That's really what it's all about, Amen. I'm not saying we can't have fun, but friend, listen, we got maybe 70 years plus in this life, right? And then we got eternity to look at. And when we get to eternity, I don't want to stand before God and say, I wish I would have given more. I wish I would have laid down my life the way that you asked me to, Jesus. If any man would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. In this house of prayer, we're crying out, we're believing God. But I believe there is a river that is flowing in the world today. You know, whenever there is a spiritual war taking place, or a physical war taking place, we know that there's a spiritual war. Probably even greater than the physical one. But here's the good news. Jesus has already won. And so we have a place of victory. So if we understand that what we see is not necessarily whether it's good or bad, what's taking place should be our identity. It should be in what the Lord's already done. Our citizenship is in heaven. We're seated with Christ in heavenly places right now. And this should encourage us that when we pray, when we cry out to God, we become a voice. We prophesy. We declare blessing. We break curses. We have been given authority in this life. Amen? I believe that the church has authority. Do you believe that? I believe that no matter who's in the political office, whether we uh, presidential office or, or that we agree with or we don't agree with, the fact of the matter is we have authority to pray and agree. Hallelujah. You know, in Psalm 2 verse 8, it says, Ask of me and I will give you the nations as your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You know, whenever the church is digging, the enemy fights harder. And I do believe the church is digging. You know, we had this encouragement of the Asbury revival taking place. It was at the end of February, I think it was. And I was watching some of it online, and it was very interesting to me. You know, I was actually very happy that it wasn't a Pentecostal or charismatic church. I was actually very happy because, you know, they expect that we would talk about and value those things. But here it is, a Methodist university where it says holiness to the Lord on the top. Because I think that's what we really need. I think we really need to understand that we can't devalue God by trying to live the way that we want to live for him. We need to change. He's the one who doesn't change anymore. But we have to change to become more like him. 
He is the ideal. He is the standard setter. He's the one we need to look like, talk like, think like, act like. He's, he's the one who tells us what to do with our time, our talent, our energy, our finances. He is Lord, not just Savior. And I believe that value has transformed some folks because I saw that the Spirit of God, like a fire, jumped from that place and went to other universities and churches and youth groups. I think even Lee and went down there to Lee University. I have friends who were going there and they talked about how people started really praying and getting serious about God. And I believe all that what is happening with the pressure, COVID, politics, wars, and all these things, God is drawing his church to a place of prayer. And here's the great thing about God in prayer. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. When we pray in faith, he's the God who answers by fire. Amen? Let me finish up with this. Some of the trenches the Lord has allowed us to dig. You know, in Brownsville, at this place, in Brownsville, the God dug a trench in my heart for his glory to manifest mine and Casey's. In fact, January will be married 27 years. Amen? And I'll tell you this, that when we went to the Philippines, we had no idea what we were doing. You know, we came out from revival and we thought revival was going to happen everywhere, you know, but it didn't happen everywhere. And we get off the plane and people didn't want what we necessarily had to share. But you know what happened? We started going to the poor, the weak, the lonely, the broken, the suicidal, the depressed, the ones that nobody wanted to go to. We went to the prisons. We went to the hard places. And then we started seeing. I used to go to the transvestites on a certain street called Curino. In fact, one time I was teaching evangelism at a local church and there was like 200 plus people there. And the power of God just came down. And I mean, people were laid out everywhere. It was awesome. And as I'm, you know, relishing in what God's doing, I hear the voice of the Lord speak to me. He says, are you going to teach evangelism? Or are you going to go do it? He said, I want you to go to Curino Street. It's one thing to do evangelism in the church. It's another thing to go outside. I'm not saying it's not needed in the church, but I am saying that when we go outside to the highways and the byways, right? to the places where the people are living away from God and we become the salt and the light of the earth. Oh, my friend. When we started going outside and I started ministering those transvestites, you know, I got one of them who used to minister to over 15 years ago. He's an associate pastor right now. He's been one for years. There's some other guys and, and some fell away. Some didn't stick with it. But my job is not to convert people. Your job is not to convert people. Our job is to plant and water seeds and let God make things grow. Amen. I just want to plant and plant and sow and sow wherever we go. We went to garbage dumps in the Philippines. I remember uh, water baptizing people in nasty water. And as I'm baptizing them, I'm thinking, dear Jesus, this is the only water we got. Lord, I pray for healing at the same time. Bam. <laughs> and then we go up and we're garbage and trash and smoke and everybody's nasty up there and we're worshiping the Lord and eight people get baptized in the Holy Ghost in a garbage dump. I love those kind of things. I love when Jesus shows up when, it's, when nobody expects him to show up because somebody is unashamed to take the gospel to places that nobody else wants to go. Amen. And maybe you're not supposed to go overseas. Maybe you're called to be right here. 
And I'll tell you what, if you're called to be here, there are dark places here to go to and be light and salt. Amen? Wherever God's called you to be, it's not about feeling guilty on what somebody does and what I do. We're not to compare ourselves to each other. We're to compare ourselves to Jesus. We, look, he were, we were created in his image, right? I had Brother Greg come over and pray for me beforehand. And I know that he and Casey have been going to India. Who would have thought that these two would have ever ended up in India? And I want to tell you, Brother Cuckoo is his name, right? He supports one of the kids in our feeding program. And that's because you guys reached out and God created a relationship there. And God opens up doors and causes somebody from India with a relationship in Dagsboro, Delaware to support a kid in south, southern part of the Philippines. How does that happen, my friend? I love that kind of stuff. Amen. You know, the Lord's allowed us to dig a trench in Japan. We've been going to Japan since 2004, almost every year. And as we go there, I'm preaching wherever we go in Tokyo, Osaka, and, and Fukuoka, and different places. I don't want to say because I might cuss because it sounds like that word. And, and then we go to Okinawa and we're preparing away. And I have no idea that as my family would go with me at times and my kids would go with me at times that my daughter Sierra, when she's 14 years old, would come back and say, Mom and Dad, I have a burden. I have a calling to go to Japan. Friend, only God can do that. Because I, we for many years thought, God, do you want us to move to Japan? But never felt the release. Maybe one day later, I don't know, maybe Sierra will get married to a Japanese guy and we'll have little Japanese grandkids, you know? I don't know. I'm excited about it, amen? But I believe that what we dug for years over there prepared the way for our daughter's calling. Amen? Italy, let me end with this. There's so many things happening right now, I can't even remember half of it. But I've been there about five times, I think. And last September, we went as a family for three weeks, and we, we just, it was just amazing. It was so powerful. I went again in July with two other friends, Keith Collins and Ken Pounders, both evangelists. And as we were preaching night and day, I mean, meetings just all the time. It was, it was just amazing. Hundreds of people were coming. We went in the city square. There was probably a thousand people out there and just started preaching. And we're preaching in front of this old church that has pillars that are dated to the time of Isaiah the prophet. They're old Greek pillars that were taken from an old Greek temple. And that part of the world's a little older than America. And we're seeing God move. We're seeing all these demons manifest and people get set free. But what's amazing is there's a young man there. His name is Vincenzo. Talking about digging a trench for the glory of God to come. And I taught in his ministry school class about four years ago. I think it was about 2017 is the first time I went. And apparently I stopped in the middle of the teaching. I don't remember all this. And I began to pray for all the students. And I prophesied something over Vincenzo that he happened to record. Vincenzo would drive an hour and a half one way just to go to school two, three, four times a week sometimes. And God really got a hold of this young man. He said, I have a burden to come to the Philippines. And he came to the Philippines in 2019 with two other people. One young lady, her name is Eleonora, and she got saved six months before she came in 2019 out of a lesbian lifestyle. 
and she came. I put her on the radio. We started preaching the gospel over the airwaves in the Philippines. We go, we stay in touch with these guys. They said, we want you to come this past July. And I wasn't sure how it was going to all work, but I went and I went a few days early because I found out that Eleanor was getting married. And her husband, I, her, who was her fiancé, not even her fiancé, just a guy she was hanging with, September of last year, I had prayed for at the meeting when we were there, and he got right with God and surrendered himself to the Lord and wanted me to water baptize him. And I did not know this. He didn't say anything. Well, he prayed, God, bring Eric back so he can water baptize me. So when I came a few days early before the two weeks I was supposed to be there, their wedding took place. We went down to the beach. Actually, they, they, they held off their honeymoon for a week so they could attend the meetings. I said, are you sure you want to do that, brother? And, uh, and he, they, they were total agreement. They, they're so hungry for God. God has done so much in their lives. And so they stayed. We went down to the beach and a public beach. Like you go into Rehoboth in the summertime and it just wild down there. We went down there and I was preaching on the beach and just bam and uh, water baptizing. People are crowding and looking around and we're just telling people what God's doing. Amen. Friend, I don't know how this all happens. All I know is that God's given me and you a shovel and we got to dig because the glory of the Lord is coming upon the earth. Amen. Psalm 104 verse 13. I'm going to close with this. He waters the hills from his upper chambers. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your works. Thank you for listening to Revival Cry with Eric Miller. Please subscribe, rate, and write a review for this podcast on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To find out more or partner with our missions work around the world, please visit us at revivalcry.org. I look forward to being with you next week.